Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. Probably it'd be a little weird if Brupolo was in Collins. Yes, it would. That would be the a little Collins weird. Zoo, you could have the Collins Brew. Hey, I like that. Yeah, see? See? We had somebody on the uh, on the message board. There was a thread about TNL UK. Yes, and somebody said in the in the thread we're talking. It was a talk kind about us in the Kentucky game. That's what mm-hmm. I said. It made me think of Haydad saying be, that they were doing the show in England. And Haydad's like, "Be kind of weird if uh, Strange Brew was in it was in Brighton, ain't it?" So. <laughs> It, it appears every single time that we talk about that Kentucky That's game, be we're going to get a thread. Subject. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? We're not really going to talk about it again until we get there. Thank so. God. So, and, and by that time, we could have completely changed our minds when new yeah. information has been presented to us. We'll see. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's like that far fetched to say that that game could go in Kentucky's favor. It's really like not. it has for almost the entire past decade. It's not. But it's okay. It's okay. We'll worry about it when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when it happens. You should cross the bridge, though. You should go to Strange Brew Coffee House. And if you can't, just get it shipped to you. StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. Whatever kind of coffee machines on the front counter, they got you taken care of at StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. College Corner and CollegeCornerStore.com. I mean, it's August now, guys. It's August. You know, practice starts this week. It's time to start getting ready for football. It's time for you to get some new gear. All right. No showing up in the old stuff. Wash off all that old mojo, all right? If you've got a lucky shirt at this point, chances are its record is probably close to 500 over the past few years. Moorhead sort of hurt you. Leach's first year. It, it's, it's time to switch some things up. Get some new gear. Get it at College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're original by Fleet Feet. They're in Flow by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. I saw a picture of Dan Mullen who was in Starkville this week, and uh, he was wearing a shirt that said uh, the name of another Mexican restaurant uh, here in Starkville. I got to tell you, that that should be a sign right there that you need to go to Humble Taco. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to be conversing with that guy. So you head over to Humble Taco, Starkville's best Mexican restaurant over there on University Drive, and you get some tacos like you can't get anywhere else. Anybody can do the old-fashioned tacos that everybody has. There's, there's 13 Mexican restaurants in this town. My wife counted. Oh, by the way, I found out we're getting another Mexican restaurant. Yeah, no way. Uh, in that shopping center across from my neighborhood, there's no. going to be a Mexican restaurant in there. No. So we'll have 14 Mexican restaurants. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. 
No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. But I mean, we just got a new Mexican restaurant like yes. three months ago. But 13 of them are all selling the same tacos. You can get the same taco at one that you get at the other that you get at the other. Only Humble Taco is different. So go to Humble Taco. Get something different, something delicious. Get some Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. Another Mexican restaurant. Somebody did the research for us. I think Joel was still on the show. That Starkville has more Mexican restaurants per capita than New York City. I, I don't understand having this. A far lower population. Uh, what? What? Like? What's? What's the the mindset here? It's cheap. I'm bringing another Mexican restaurant. It's cheap and easy. Like, why can't we get you know like a a good franchise like you know Five Guys or something like that? Preaching to the choir. That's all I'm saying. I know another good franchise. That's Firehouse Subs. And I hope you got some free reward points last week or some free food. If you were following them on Twitter, you had the opportunity to do that. They're always doing stuff like that. Follow them at Firehouse Subs. And always download the Firehouse Subs app. That way, when you place your order, it's ready within minutes. And you pick it up, and you got reward points that pile up really, really quick. Locations in Starkville and Oxford, Columbus and Tupelo, Floyd and Madison. It's Firehouse Subs. Well, you all know what we're going to talk about today. That's right. A full SummerSlam recap. Marvan Robbie was on site. I watched it. Let's get dive right in. No, wait. We're going to do something uh, that you might have expected. Well, if you set the over under for yourself at four commit or at three and a half commitments, you got there. You got there for Mississippi State as they enjoyed a very successful top dog weekend as we as we predicted that they would and now uh, stand at 13 commitments for the class of 2023. We'll start with the first guy, Tobias Hinton. We talked a little bit about him last week, that all the signs were uh, pointing towards him uh, making his pledge known to Mississippi State. Came early Friday morning, before even camp had started, that was gone ahead and made public and sort of got the old ball rolling. 6'3", 215-pounder who plays football at what the 5A, 6A level here in the state of Mississippi. Athleticism. I, I like taking chances, and I don't really feel like you're taking a chance on a guy this highly rated, but if I got a choice between a guy, well, he's you know his production's really good or he's a good-looking athlete, give me the good-looking athlete. I'll figure out the production. I'll get him coached up to do the right things, but I can't coach the athleticism. That's what Tobias Hinton is going to bring to this uh, this signing class. Yeah, I agree. I like. I really like this pickup for for State. Tobias Hinton, highest rated player in the class now for Mississippi State by the composite. I'm not sure about two four seven. I know we're really high on Ty Jones, um, so he might be the highest rated guy. But um, you know, just I, I think that. We we talked about it before the the last last signing class and really the one before that too, they really hit on some linebackers that I think are going to be really good uh, for state moving forward. Mm-hmm. And you're stacking on here with this class. This this linebacking class is looking really good right now with Tobias Hinton leading it off, and then Ty Jones. Those those two are pretty much your highest rated players in the class, and they're both probably going to be playing linebacker. Both rated ninety four-star player 
uh, by 24-7, not the composite, just the top 247. Okay. Jones is the number three player in the class. Hinton is the number five player in the class, but they have the same rating. So I don't know, understand exactly what's going into that, but there you go. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I I don't understand why we make it so difficult to find the 247 rankings. We're, you know we're how to do to, it? Paul explained it to me. Yeah, you have to change in the URL. But right, it, you have it to go into the URL, difficult. and where it says composite, you take that out. That's something that I've, I've brought up before. To, to Eve, I brought up to Shannon Terry at one of our conferences. Of course, he's not here anymore, but why are not we discounting? Dead. Yeah, he's with on three. Uh, but why are we discounting our evaluations? We should be holding our evaluations ahead of ahead of everyone else's. Why are these hidden? Why why is it so difficult to get to that? Um, and the whole, I mean, the, the, even if you're if you're wanting to prop up the composite, you should still have a tab that says two four seven. It'd be very easy. What's funny is if you go to the if you set it up what we're talking about, and you're looking at just the twenty four seven ratings, there is a tab that says twenty four seven composite. Yeah, but it, but if you just Start at it. It's not. It's not there. So anyway, long story. Just short. Don't understand it, but you know, and 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 I think that other people's rankings are quite frankly bad at some of these other places. ESPN's all. We're talking about Mississippi kids. Yeah, and so I mean, you look at this class. Mississippi State's ranked forty eighth nationally, mm-hmm. and I, I really like this class. I think defensively, especially. I mean, when you look at you have Tobias Hinton, Ty Jones. Um, and then you start going out. Joseph Head is at eighty-five or eighty-six. Mm-hmm. That guy, that's that's criminal that he's rated at that at that spot. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Abram, guys like that. I mean, it's just sad. But uh, back on uh, Tobias Hinton, I just I feel like this linebacker class right now for Mississippi State is really setting up to be a, a loaded group. And I know we're going to talk about Zakari Tillman as well. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they've just they've done a really good job the last two years, and I don't know if that's just a um, Zach Arnett thing. I know Matt Brock did, had a lot to do with the last couple of classes as well, and he's done a really good job. Zach Arnett, of course, uh, is has been involved with linebackers too. So I, I just I feel like Mississippi State's linebacker play should be really really good the next few years, and they're doing it mostly with Mississippi guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the last like, and you, you go back, you know, three years, you know, with John Lewis and Ty Cooper and those guys, and now, like I said, stacking talent. You know, that's what you know they've been doing it at wide receiver. I feel, and they're doing it here at the linebacker position. Got some, uh, got some other holes they need to work on, but I'm sure those are that's that's on the the, the plan. Uh, second commitment of the day: Zay Alexander, big man, six seven, three hundred and fifteen pounder, out of Tupelo High School in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, this offensive line class for Mississippi State right now, really solid, really good start for Mississippi State with Joe Crocker, Malik, uh, Malik Ellis, and now uh, Zay Alexander. They're going to get a couple of more guys as well, at least that's the plan. This has the potential to be one of the best offensive line groups State's had in quite some time. It's a really solid group. And, you know, again, you know, Malik Ellis kind of like Joseph Head. I mean, 87, and I, I feel like, I don't. I don't think he's as good as Charles Cross, but I think very similar makeup. They're both built almost exactly the same, coming out of high school, and very talented, agile guy that I think is going to make an impact at Mississippi State and ranked at eighty six. 
Uh, so, I mean, I, I really feel like we need to evaluate the state a lot better. But, um, you know, I, I look at this class, no surprises so far. I mean, you felt like you were going to get Malik Ellis. You felt like you were going to get Zay Alexander. For the last month or so, you felt like you were going to get Crocker. But Mason Miller has done a really good job shaping up this offensive line group over the last three years. And I think what you're seeing now is you're kind of like at the linebacker spot, you're starting to stack guys um, and, and provide some depth there at just about every position. And there's some guys in here, a lot of guys, that you can move around from guard to center, from guard to tackle, from tackle to guard or, or whatever. So you have a lot of versatile guys, uh, some big guys, 6'6", 310 for Crocker, 6'7", 315 for Zay Alexander. And he's actually trimmed up a lot over the last few weeks. Uh, I think that that I think that weight is accurate now. I, I'm not sure what he is uh, right now, but he's definitely trimmed up from um, you know earlier in the process. And then you have Malik Ellis, who is six five. He's probably about two fifty plus right now. He's he's added some good weight, and he's going to add even more weight when he gets here. So. Um, that that group's really good, and now you're just looking to fill a couple of spots that are on the line, one or two more guys, mm-hmm. and you're good. So I really like what they've done at linebacker and offensive line. I think you're you're almost done at those positions. Um, and I know we're going to talk about wide receiver some here in a little bit. They're filling up this class nicely now. Thirteen commitments. The ranking's not great, but I think that when you look up and down this list, it, it looks really solid. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I feel like this is cl- this is a class that's going to see a lot of uh, updating from twenty four seven over the next few months and and going into December. That guys like Hinton, Jones, Crocker, Alexander, Ellis, all probably Head has a chance. Abram has a chance to be four star players, and then guys like I don't know about Tillman. Uh, Kelly Jones, Dante Kelly, but they could end up being higher three stars. That's where I, I think they'll end up. I um, hope so. Tell I me, mean, we just Jacoby, mentioned Kobe Bellazar doesn't have a ranking. Yeah, and he'll, he'll he'll it'll be next week or so probably before that happens. Tillman's a guy we've been talking about for a while that you know just sort of waiting on him to pull the trigger. He was commitment number three on Friday night. Again, you know these linebackers six two two thirty already in high school. Is he is, is he staying at linebacker, Robbie, or is that a kid who looks like? I mean, I, six two might be a little difficult, but could he end up as as sort of an end with his hand on the ground? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that's definitely possible looking at his build. Um and could be a very good defensive end for you too. Right now he's in that linebacking class and um uh, I mean that the group looks really solid as it is. He might end up being a defensive lineman for Mississippi State. Could end up maybe like Jaden Crumity. You know, Jaden mm-hmm. Crumity was I was thinking like Jordan Davis was the guy I had in mind. Yeah, it could could be. Um, but yeah, I, I look at that. If if two thirty is legit right now, mm-hmm. I could definitely see him with his hand in the ground. I yeah. still think Ty Cooper ends up deep, a, a defensive end eventually. Yeah, Which, but who knows? I mean, he's I'm two a years fan in. of that. I'm a fan of taking athletic but big linebackers and turning them into ends. Yeah, if you can get away if they if they can do it if they have the strength and the frame to do it. I feel like that's always a good idea. That's just, just me personally. So, yeah, but whether or not you know he he's defensive line or not, again, you're you're kind of stacking bodies here in the front uh, six, front seven, mm-hmm. whatever. 
which um, is where games are won. Yeah, and uh, and both sides. doing it with Mississippi talent. I, I love what they're doing the last two years, building it with Mississippi players. They have made a ton of money in the NFL with Mississippi players. That was the Mullen plan is to yeah. go out and get these Mississippi kids, and you know and so those defenses it out were great. Those and defenses was, were were good every yeah. single year except for one year. There's always and and that wasn't an athlete issue. No. That was a coaching issue. Right? But I will say that, like, there was a few spots there on that defense that wasn't very good. But they had – I think Jeffrey Simmons was on that defense, wasn't he? Was. Was he on that defense or was he the next year? He played in 16. He was a true freshman. That's right. Um, so, you did have some, some Should have freaks. started from day one, but he didn't. But, you know. Yeah. You did have some freaks on that defense, but uh, that was more of a – Coaching issue. Yeah, Other, that, that defense that's, was also hurt by Beniquez Brown making a terrible decision to go pro. Yeah, he should have come back. To come back, but but you know that just proves. I mean, since two thousand nine, pretty much Mississippi State has been pretty good defensively. They've been up and down in the rankings. But one thing that if you ask everybody else in the league, what's one thing that stands out about Mississippi State? It's that they always seem to have some guys on defense. Yeah, and you ask people in the NFL, and if you go, if you run up and down that list, eighty-five percent of those guys are from the state of Mississippi, either in high school or junior college. Agreed. Last guy on the commitment train for uh, for Friday night, and it ended up being a Saturday afternoon announcement, but is JUCO wide receiver Jacoby Belazar out of Southwest Mississippi Community College. That is not a community college where Mississippi State has gotten a ton of players through the years. So this is sort of a, a, a rare treat for Mississippi State to get a guy from there. 5'11", 175, speedster, uh, and a guy that, again, has sort of been trending towards Mississippi State. State now with Belazar, Nakai Poole uh, at the wide receiver position. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Justin Brown, that he might be the next guy. And then I, I imagine that's probably it, right? Three receivers? Or is that going to go to four? I don't know. Um I imagine three or four is where – I mean, they're pretty good at, at wide receiver. They've got some bodies there. they got a lot of guys. Uh, but I watched I watched his film. I don't. I didn't know a whole lot about um, Belazar, just being honest, coming in. And I wasn't really expecting him to commit. Maybe I'm out of the loop. But um, he wasn't a guy that was really on my radar as a guy that was going to jump this weekend. But – I, I thought he was really impressive on film. A guy that could really burn, he could get down the field, and um, and and could be a big playmaker for for state. Uh, we talk all the time about the last couple of classes they've gone out and gotten some real athletes at wide receiver, some guys that can really take the top off, um, some guys that can t- take some some screens and and go seventy yards with it if they need to, and I, I think that's what you've seen. And then, I mean, two different what, – right back to what we were saying. You know, you got the two Luke Griffins, and then you have the Caleb Duckings. Some guys that are completely different wide receivers, but they're going to create matchup problems. You got the Kai Poole, who's 6'3", 205, and then you got Jacoby Belazar, who's 5'11", 175. I mean, you have some different guys in here that can really make things difficult for defenses and, and, and create some mismatches. And I, I really think that Belazar is a guy that can do that Looking at his film, I've been I was really impressed with what I saw. Definitely think he's got especially as a JUCO guy, you got to think that if the staff's gonna take him, they feel like that's a guy who can come in next year 
and, and possibly, you know, I mean, you got to think about the slot position next year. Austin Williams will probably, I think he's gone after next year. Pretty sure the Senator has no more eligibility at this point. Yeah. I think that that's finally it for him. And then it's, it's possible that with a big year, Jaden Wally moves on very possible. If he has a 70 catch close to a thousand yard, close to 10 touchdown kind of year, it might be time for him to, he might go ahead and put his toe out there. Jameer Calvin's gone. So you got to restock the slot position and, and bringing in a quality Juco guy is a good way to, to go about that. Two more newsworthy items coming out of this camp. Uh, Isaac Smith back on campus, the big safety out of uh, Fulton and Itawamba AHS uh, back on campus and picked up a couple of, or at least one crystal ball to uh, Mississippi State. A lot of people will tell you that it, it's, you know, Perkins and, and Smith. They're not really sure who the best player in the state is between those two guys. They both have a ton of great offers. They're both really, really good players. Uh, but Smith's, Smith's recruitment right now, I think Paul said that he felt like Mississippi State would be in a good place if you had to sign today. You don't have to sign today. It's it's still a long way to December. But feels like Mississippi State, this, this is the guy they have targeted as the guy that in this particular class, much like Trevion Williams a year ago, I think, that they want to get into this class. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird thing. I don't think like Georgia or anybody of that caliber is pushing for him at all. Mm. And then, you know, Ole Miss, who was thought to be the leader early on in the process, it's weird. Like the, it doesn't seem like they're even really recruiting him, uh, which is kind of strange. And, you know, State's putting in the most effort on this kid. And I think that's going to go a long way. He's been over here a lot. They've treated him like, a priority. They've rolled out the red carpet for him every single time he's been over here. And I think that's going to matter. And right now, I agree with that. I think that he is – They Mississippi State is in a really good position to land him. And that's a guy that can really make a difference for you uh, in the you know back end of the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and great athlete, probably one of the best athletes in the state this year. And with the class that you're building in state, I think it only strengthens your chances to get him on board. I mean, you look at this class, and you got nine guys from the state of Mississippi mm-hmm. out of 13 players so far. Uh, you've really built a strong base. This looks like a damn mulling class. You're getting the, a, lar- a large part of it in the middle of the summer, and most of them are from the state of Mississippi, and that and a lot of them are big defensive. Uh, players, so th- this looks a lot like how Mississippi State's classes have set up over the years. And then, of course, the other big news: Chris Parson back on campus this weekend. Uh, all indications were he had a great time. Look, he's a four-star quarterback. He's a he's a national recruit. This is not a guy that's just going to show up and commit. All right, there's going to be an edit involved, probably a video, probably a commitment ceremony at at this point. But it does feel like sooner rather than later, he will be in this class. Everybody on the 24-7 site that is that is connected is saying the same things. They're saying they feel great about Chris Parson being the quarterback in this class. It's August 1st. When, when, do you, when would you forecast him making a, a commitment to Mississippi State? I feel like it's got to be soon. But you just never know. I mean, he... He could have very well come down this weekend and already committed, mm-hmm. um, which it would not shock me in the least. I mean, you made an effort to come down this past weekend. You've already been here 
for one top dog camp weekend and you made an effort to come come down here and spend some time on Saturday after playing football on Friday night. I I just feel like, you know, he's very close. And um I, I it would it would shock me if this thing lingered into the season. You you want your quarterback to be on board. He's going to want to have his spot marked. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it could come soon. It could be a deal where he wants to announce, you know, before his or after his first game or something. Yeah. I don't know. You never know. But one thing that I found really interesting, Brian, is Florida State was recruiting Brock Glenn mm-hmm. and was expecting to get Brock Glenn. And that basically, you know, triggered Chris Parson to to jump out of the class. And it felt like it was going to be kind of a trade-off, Mississippi State, Florida State. And then Brock Glenn commits to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Florida State gets neither one of those guys. Yeah. Shows you that uh... – you know, Brock Glenn, obviously, we talked a lot about him as being a potential guy for Mississippi State early in the process. Now he's at Ohio State. It shows you Leach was on the right guy. Yeah. It, it, you know, he, he's a guy that when they reevaluate him, just on the strength of his commitment to Ohio State, he'll be a mid-four-star pretty easily uh, for, for the Buckeyes. So, And, of course, the other thing, Florida State's a train wreck, man. Yeah. I mean, today is August 1st. By December 1st, they'll probably have a new head coach. Oh, you're going to go ahead and drop that, huh? I mean, what is Florida State's record going to be this year? They're going to start off 0-1 because they got to play LSU in the Superdome. You know, they're not going to beat Florida this year, I don't think. Um, They're not going to beat Miami. They're not going to beat Clemson if they play them. If they play Notre Dame, they're going to lose. I mean, they're probably at best a 7-5, and 6-6 and kind of team. That just doesn't fly down there. They're just not. They, they're, they're ready not for Dion. They they're ready for Dion. They want him. I think they want him. So if unless Norvell has a monster season, nine and three or better, they're, they're just going to move on and bring Dion in. I, and I think he's the only one that really moves the needle for them at this point. I don't. I don't guy. think. I, I don't think that they're going to go out and go get somebody, you know, at the top of the top of the line. There's one know? other guy they could get, who happens to also be in this state. But I don't know that Florida State. Yeah, but I don't know that Florida State's the job he would take. Yeah, like unless they're, they're not, they're not like what they they're not what they were. They're not. They're what not. They were. They're not. But Kiffin could could get them back to where they were. I think. But I think Dion could get them back to where they I agree. Were. I agree, and it would be cheaper. Um. Yeah. You know, I, I think immediately if yeah, Dion takes over, that's a top ten. You recruiting Kiffin like nine million a year to get him out of Ole Miss. I would think so. That's that, yeah, that, that's, I, that's. I just that's, think. Dion and Kiffin are my one and two for for Florida State. Yeah, I I, I don't think they're going to go out there and get you know who they you know guys that they think they can get. Right. No, um, I agree. With I that. just I just don't think that they Cause, are because you what said they, it a minute ago. It's not it's not 1999 anymore. Florida State is not an elite program anymore. Mm-mm. That's why some of the comments they were making about Chris Parson and and Mississippi State on their message boards were kind of funny. They were just like, you know. As of right now, Mississippi State's a better football program than Florida State. Now, does Florida State have a higher ceiling? Absolutely. No question. If you told me in 10 years Florida State's winning a national title, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an issue with that. It could do it. But right now, better football program than Mississippi State. There's, there's no question about that. So, Well, in their last, uh, let's say, four seasons, they have not won. They have not had a winning season. Yeah. So, And then Jimbo Fisher kind of started it all with, 
Mm-hmm. You know, his the season that he After had Jameis before left, he left. Yeah. Just, yeah. So it's like he just gave up. One more bit of recruiting news. That's from the baseball side of things. Mississippi State hits in the portal again. Pronounce the name for me, Robbie. I, I can't get it. I think it's like high check. High check. Okay. High Hi, hijack. Hi, like, high 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 or high sack. I don't know, but it's not. But it's not pronounced how it looks. It's not hush jack. Hudge hudge. It's not hudge hudge sack. It's not huge sack. Let's <laughs> try to fit. That's what everybody <laughs> wants it to be. Everybody it's wants not it to be though. huge sack. But it's not nah. huge sack. I think it's like I think it's pronounced like hijack, hide sack or something. Hijack. Okay. I don't you know, know. We we'll need? find out. Get get Steph, get Stefan on the phone. He'll he'll tell us how to pronounce this name. They're probably they're probably Is this guy Serbian. I mean, with a if your last name ends with a K, you got a good chance of being from that that neck of the woods. You know, yeah, I'm from I'm from my my family's from Germany, so that's that that's that neck of the woods. Yeah. So makes sense. So anyway, commits to Mississippi State uh, from uh, Virginia Commonwealth, a shortstop, which is interesting because, you know, you think Mississippi State's pretty set at shortstop with Lane Forsythe. A little pop in the bat for this guy. Uh, 290 hitter last year with 12 uh, home runs. Hit four home runs in two games in their regional yeah. in North Carolina against yeah. Georgia and North Carolina. So when he faced the best pitching he saw all year is when he was at his best. Yeah. You like that. Took a huge jump from from freshman year to sophomore year. He was just like Tyler Davis, his teammate was at was in Startville for the Startville Regional, and um, had a couple of good games, I think, in that. So I don't know if he ends up at shortstop. I could see him. I could see them using him in the outfield. Well, I th- that somebody made a good point. They, you know, they they talked about if you're signing this guy as a Cam James replacement, Cam James was probably headed to the outfield next year mm-hmm. anyway. I think yeah. Mississippi State desperately wants Slate Alford at the, at the hot corner. He's having a monster summer, by the way, uh, yes. in, in, in the in the Cape Cod League. Um, now, he's so, in the uh, he's in he's in the uh, he's in another league. I well, forget. okay, so I'm going to let like you that. into my mind here for a second. They're all the Cape Cod League. They, they just all are. They're, they're all up there in the north are playing they? baseball with wood bats. They're all the. They're all the Cape Cod. I, I don't think that's – I do not think that's that's right. But. It's not right. It's not right. I know that it's not right. But I'm just telling you that if you're playing summer baseball with a wood bat in the north, I say that you're playing in the Cape Cod. You're God. just going to say they're all in the Cape Cod. They're all in the Cape Cod. Right. So, so yeah, that would I – mean, you know, the, the departure of Bill Knight to the MLB draft, this would sort of square away that third outfield spot. Uh, for yeah. Mississippi State, I I just tend to think a guy who can play short could probably play center. Well, and here's the deal: you have three really good hitters now on the outfield. Yes, you have Colton Ledbetter, Kellum Clark, another guy and, having a big uh, big summer. Ledbetter. Oh God, yeah. Him and Slate Alford are now battling each other for who's having the best summer. Mm-hmm. I think he's got Ledbetter's got 12 home runs and Alford has nine. I think that's crazy. Yeah, that's great. But, um, State. you, you know they they could never. They could never find that center fielder last year that could right. hit. Well, now you got three that can hit. And it might not be the greatest defensive group. I don't know. But it feels like State needs to focus on hitting better than just well, defense. Hitting and pitching. And then we'll they'll yeah. figure out the defense. And I think, you know, I think it'll be 
easier for him because he had like 20 something errors or something last year. Yeah. Shortstop. Not so great. I think, I think it'll be easier for him to, to plug him in in left field. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, it's a lot easier to make errors at shortstop than it is in the outfield. Right. So there we go. So another, uh, another quality transfer for Mississippi State. Probably not done. Probably. Maybe another guy coming in there, either a pitcher or or a, uh, a another position player. I don't know. I feel like State's not done in the portal quite yet, but we will see. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over the Mississippi Beef Council, who I was uh, very pleased with some of their products this weekend. Cooked a delicious tri-tip. That was, that was just good, Robbie. That was just good. I know the way to describe that piece of meat. So... Uh, shout out! I'm, I'll give one away here to the uh, the Blind Tiger TBT Butcher Shop over there on University Drive. They're selling great. They're selling Welcome Home beef products, so you know they're good. I mean, I may I may or may not have some expertise on that particular uh, subject, um, but yeah, beef. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. That was a great piece of meat. There's all sorts of beef out there for you to try. All sorts of great cuts. Talk to your butcher. Talk to your meat market. Get them on the grill. We only got a few more weeks before football season. Now, you can grill during football season, but it's more difficult sometimes. You want to be inside watching the games or you're at the games a lot of times. Take advantage of these last few weekends. Put some beef on the grill. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. They, I just talked about the beef. Now let's talk about the pig, the, the, the most noble of all animals. They got the pig covered at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Bacon, belly, shoulder, they got it all. It's all delicious. So many different ways to enjoy it. So many great and unique dishes at Two Brothers. Where else are you getting pork rind nachos, man? Just so good. So good. So next time you're in Starkville, or if you're here all the time, make sure you've got a trip to make it a weekly occurrence. You need to have it every week. Check it off the list. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. I take a breath there. I'm just I'm beef and pork. I'm starting just getting excited. Starting heavy breathing. Mm. The meat sweats. I had them yesterday, man. That, that thing was great. Um, great products and great service. Every business promises it. I know for a fact that Advantage Business Systems delivers it because they've been open for 47 years. Nobody, nobody on this earth is open that long if they aren't taking care of their customers and providing quality products. It's just that simple. It's simple math. So when you need something for your business, if you need a copier or a printer, you need new laptops, new computers, you call Advantage Business Systems. And if something does go wrong, you don't have to call a 1-800 number. You don't have to deal with somebody on the other side of the world. You don't have to deal with an out-of-state contractor who might or may, may or may not be there this week. You're talking to somebody here in the same state as you. That number is 601-362-9192, or you visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. All right, Robbie, we got two games on the countdown here today, number 27 and number 26, which means tomorrow's show will be in the top 25. We'll be halfway through our uh, our countdown. Don't forget, by the way, in case you, you're like, hey, it seems like it's off. We are setting this up to be finished the week before the first game, so that the week of the first game, we are just focused on the game. Let's start at number 27. Not a lot of crew mayor victories on here, like I, I said before, but uh, this is one of them. 
this was a, a and I, I love an unexpected victory. This is up there for unexpected victories. 2007, Mississippi State 19, Auburn 14. State starts the year losing, what, 45 nothing to LSU. Mike Kenning with six picks. They beat Ooh. Tulane in week two. But, I mean, you're just like, okay, well, I mean, they beat Tulane. Katrina happened two years ago. This school's barely in existence right now. And then they go to the Plains of Alabama, and they run the ball effectively with Dixon and Ducree, and they get a pick six from Derek Pegues. This pick six was the term of the year. I think State, in almost all of their wins, had a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. And they go over there, and they shock. I mean, this was a shocking win for Mississippi State. I remember watching it and having no preconceived notion that State would even be. I mean, this is Mississippi State and Auburn. Got to remember about Mississippi State and Auburn is that State under uh, under Croom had never even been close to the Auburn Tigers. Not one time had they even been in the game in the second half. Go back and look at these these numbers here. Two thousand four, State loses forty three fourteen. They lose twenty eight nothing in two thousand five, and then they lose thirty four nothing. They haven't scored on Auburn in two years. When this game is played. And they found a way to win on the road. This was a completely shocking victory. And it set the stage for what would be Croom's only successful season with, with a in, in, in 2007. This was a great win for the Bulldogs. Yeah, and followed that that blueprint that I've talked about the other day when I was referring to that Florida game in, in 2004. Get get out early and get that get that first punch in. And that's what they did. Ten nothing early, mm-hmm. and um, that was kind of the that was kind of the blueprint. You know, Derek Begees had that interception. They were backed up deep into their own territory, and he picked that one off and just walked in the end zone. And you're like, okay, they got a shot here. Mm-hmm. They came out and and really played well that game. And and Auburn, you know, they they made that a ball game late, or well, I guess before the the half ended. And kind of the, this was kind of like the theme that year is like state's defense just held most of these teams down when the offense was really struggling. And um, just looking at the uh, the passing in this game is really bad, Brian. Yeah, you think? Mike, Michael Hennig, one for three for 16 yards. Mm-hmm. Josh Riddle, one for five for 15 yards. And then Wes Carroll was three for 10 with 10 yards. They had 41 yards passing. On five completions. Yes, this was a this was you know heavy on the ground day for Mississippi State and one of the most memorable games for Christian Ducray, I think in his career at Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Anthony Dixon twenty nine carries one hundred and three yards. Christian Ducray ten carries sixty three yards and had that touchdown late in the ball game that really sealed the deal. Um, and it, I mean, this was just a a, a, a class play forty four yard drive. Where basically yeah. State just handed the ball off to Dixon and Decree, and they got four point four yards per carry, and just yeah. took it into the end zone. This was just this was a class one of those classic Mississippi State wins that like almost like all of them occurred at like eleven a.m. or mm-hmm. something on JP Sports. Mm-hmm. Like all all these great wins from Mississippi State in the past. Like I, I would venture to say, like eighty percent of them were like at eleven a.m. on JP Sports. Yes, they're, they're, you're, you're not wrong. Something else to point out in this game: uh, State's pass defense was also outstanding. 
Uh, Auburn was held a 12 of 22 passing with three picks. Uh, Pegues had one. Uh, I'm sorry, where, where are the interceptions at? They're not on here. Okay, yeah, Anthony Johnson had one. Uh, Pegues had one. And Demario Bobo, of all people. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember when Demario Bobo signed, you're like, man, is State going to start getting guys from South Panola now? And then they got Pegues, and you're like, all right, we're about to take over now. Not so much. Um, that was a that was a class that I only knew about from reading the newspaper on signing day. Yeah, back in the day, yeah. Like you would just waited to signing Room's day first to class, read it. man. Yeah. Oof. But man, Anthony Johnson, he could have been a great Mississippi State defensive player. Like totally, he could have been a classic. Got I mean, totally I, I just just screwed himself. This year, he was setting himself up to be a monster. Yes. Yeah, you know, no way he would have been an All-American. Yeah. Yeah, he just he, he screwed the pooch. But State, yeah, was just defensively was just really, really solid in, in this football game. Also uh, recovered a fumble, did Derek Pegues in this game. And then you mentioned, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, you get injuries early to Henning and to Riddell, and Wes Carroll comes in. And this is the start of Wes Carroll's year at the top for Mississippi State. And, you know, I don't think he ever relinquished the uh, the starting job at this point. I think I want to say that I'm trying to remember they played uh, South um, Carolina. Josh, yeah, Josh Josh Riddle. He played I think a couple started, more. I think he started the South Carolina game. Yeah, and I think that hurt in that game. Yeah, I think he like I think that was the last time that it he wasn't never played again. West Carroll's right, and then Henry played a little bit year, towards you know, the end of the year. Henry yeah, played I, in the Egg Bowl that year. He did. He did. Yeah, Josh Riddle was nine of twenty-one in that South Carolina game, and then Carroll came in, and I think Carroll kind of took over from there. Yeah. One other note in this game: shout out to Blake McAdams, forty-three yards per kick in this game. Not bad. Not he bad. hit you too, Blake McAdams. He he would hit you. I'll give you that. He, he did. He had, he had a he had a seventy-three-yard punt in this game too. Um, I think I remember that. So that's number uh I lost my I lost count here. That's number 20, 27. 27. 19 to 14, Mississippi State over Auburn. Number 26, we're gonna go back to 1991, first year for Jackie Sherrill. This was the game that everybody had circled, everybody was waiting on. Is Mississippi State really different under Jackie Sherrill? You had to wait to the egg bowl to find out. The the 80s had been the worst decade since forever since I guess this you know the 50s for egg bowls. Ole Miss had dominated the series during the 80s. And Jackie's first year was you, you had all of the the the, the build-up, the habitual liar comments from Billy Brewer and the back and forth. And of course, it's the return to campus. Mississippi State and Ole Miss would play in Davis at Scott Field at the time for the first time in, in a long, long time since I guess I think the 70s, since the early 70s. And State gets a 24-9 win over the Rebels, and that was like the, the 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 final signal that it's a different time at Mississippi State. They're going to be competitive going forward. It was a game that, you know, 15-year-old Brian was really, really happy to see go his team's way because it had been rough growing up in the 1980s uh, as a Mississippi State fan. You just didn't have very much to cheer for. You know, from 81 through, you know, 91, you didn't. there wasn't a bowl game in there. There's only one winning season. So this was the game for me. I mean, State had played better. Obviously, they had beaten Auburn that year. Uh, they had beaten LSU. All great wins for State. But this was the one that you had to have 
to to prove that things were a little bit different. Yeah, and kicked off the the games like you said, going to the campuses. And since that time, this has been a really even series. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, in the eighties, Ole Miss seven and three mm-hmm. in the Egg Bowls. Um, that's tough. It's not it's not quite as bad as you know what they saw in the forties, right? I guess. <laughs> And, and well, they then didn't win one 60s. time in the fifties. Not one. They, they, not, they yeah. did not win. They may have had, I think they had a tie in there, but they never won. Yeah, um, I think they they had lost what thirteen or seventeen straight or something. Mm-hmm. But that that's kind of made up the difference in the series was that stretch with Johnny Vault. Yeah. Well, Vault Vault didn't lose for eighteen years. Forty six sixty four. He never lost. He had a couple. He had like two or three ties. I think he was like fifteen zero and three. Okay. I mean, that's. I knew it was. Yeah, I knew it was like thirteen straight or something that they won. always like, talked about. Crazy. Probably think about in today's day and age of message boards and social media. If somebody in this rivalry reeled off eighteen straight wins, Oof. I mean, it would be painful on the other side of that. Like real physical. After like three in a row, you start thinking like, I mean, we're talking about this year, right? Talking about with Leach. If he loses the third third in a row, it's gonna be tough to keep your job. You would go through you would go through five coaches in an 18 game losing streak to Ole Miss. Yeah, no, it it would be a disaster. This Um, one's not a disaster for Mississippi State. Sleepy Robinson, big day for him. Uh defensively. Uh, the thing I remember the most, obviously, is Keo Coleman knocking Tommy Luke out of the game and him getting stretchered off, literally spitting up blood uh, as he's carried off the field. Almost couldn't do anything against Mississippi State on the state. It was just meant to be that State was going to win this first Egg Bowl against the Rebels in Jackie Sherrill's first year. And uh, just a tremendous, tremendous win, and I'm, I'm very glad to remember it. 24-9, 1991, the Egg Bowl. That's our number 26 game. Would you like a tease for tomorrow's game? Don't uh, you're going to know what it is, but just don't say what it is. Would you like a okay. tease? Though? Yeah, sure. You need to bundle up for tomorrow. Okay. Okay. I think we all know where we're going. All well, right. There, there's a couple of games couple. that they could be in that one. We'll see. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, we'll have that. Uh, we got a, an SEC preview tomorrow. Missouri. Is that is that right? Missouri is tomorrow. We've got Missouri. Sure, why not? I think that's right. Missouri. Let's painfully get through that one. Yeah, and then we've got Ole Miss and State left. I, I think that's that's all we've got left uh, on the uh, on the SEC on the docket. Yeah, and then we've got uh, a couple of more opponent previews. Obviously, uh, we've got uh, this week should be Arkansas. We'll be talking Arkansas. Then we have, yeah, that's that that's going to be yeah. We're we're doing good. We're do- I think we're on pace. I may I may not have screwed it up this year. I don't know. I usually do. So, plenty to talk about this week. We'll keep talking about it. Guys, have a great uh, Monday. Robbie and I will be back with you on Tuesday. Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Hayden. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.